Uh, here we are. Day we one, are here. Is this day intro. one and a half? This is day 1.5. Day 1.5 yeah. of 2023 ACEC Roads and Streets. Yes, we are here again. Tucson, Arizona. Absolutely. El Conquistador. Again. Very nice resort. Beautiful, as one might say. Yes. I remember last year, wasn't it like raining? Because I remember like we were loading up. I probably was loading it myself, it but was, I remember last year when I was unloading the car and bringing everything in, it was like pouring rain and it was cold and it was shitty. I caught that dig. Yes, you did set it up <laughs> yourself, but I did come and help and it was cold and rainy. I do remember it because I helped on the last load of bringing in the stuff. Fair enough. Fair yes. enough. All right. Let's move forward. What do you think? Uh, I think it's a good time to move forward. We've got our first guest. She's uh, uh, she's, uh, she's not a stranger to the show. No, by any means. no, but no. She's been on the show. Yeah. Yep, we um, know her well. Know her very well. Yep, We're interested to hear in what's new in, 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 in her world. There is a lot going on. Trust me. Uh. So, Laura. Why don't you go ahead and do self-introduction. Just give us your name, who you're with, and kind of what you do. Well, thank you very much. Uh, my name is Laura Newbro. I am the owner and founder of LNHR Consulting, a human resources consulting firm helping businesses in this industry and outside of this industry, local to the Phoenix area, but we are also national. We have two clients. National? Yes. Hold on. Whoa. Yes. When did that happen? Hold on kind of a big deal how do you, how do you define <laughs> national that doesn't mean tucson no no outside of arizona we have clients now in pennsylvania and in florida wow, yes. wow. look yes. at that Fish turns out you're good at it have gone into business yeah. development like 20 years ago i right. got like a millionaire right now yeah and instead yeah. you know just, so instead you're a thousand you're a, you're you're a hundred there so she's in she's growing a business so it's funny so it's been a while since we've chatted, at least on the podcast. Yes. And I'm sure there's been a lot of new developments. Um, talk about like wh how big is the company now? Are you are you growing or what we are you doing? We are growing. Yes, I just hired in our ninth employee, which is Ooh, very exciting. Wow. Yes, so we are growing. So um, in the last couple months, I've really taken a step back from what I was doing before. You know, when I first went into consulting, I was you know ready to change the world. Yep. And I'm going to do it all myself. One meeting at a time. What? One conversation at one a time. One conversation. One fierce conversation. One fierce conversation one at fierce a time. Conversation at a time. So what I've learned about myself in the last year is, I. I'm really passionate about growing businesses and I sit with people all the time and we talk about, well, when you're not, when you're doing this, the, whatever it is that you shouldn't be doing, mm -hmm. what are you not doing? That's not helping you learn, grow, mm -hmm. helping change the business. And sure enough, I had to look in the mirror and say that to myself. <laughs> <laughs> and how long did it take you to do that? Oh, a little bit, a little bit. <laughs> so how does HR help a company grow? Oh my gosh. So HR, it's the foundation of the culture of the company, right? So we're the ones who really help take what that culture is and put that into tangible material. Sure. How do we help people understand what the culture is when they don't know who your organization is? They've never seen your company before. They're looking for a job. How do you put that on the paper so somebody says that's me that's where i want to work so we help companies that way as far as um the culture but hr can really help companies just from mitigation like we're going to mitigate risk policies procedures setting expectations helping leadership really stay in their lanes understand how do i help my team learn and grow and still set those expectations sure so we're all rowing in the same direction when you don't set expectations people will set their own 
yep. I assure you they will not align with your expectations. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 They're, they're going to be rowing in uh -huh. a direction, uh -huh. and it may you may think they're going to end up over there, and they are actually pointed close. in. Yeah, yep. interesting. We're in circles in the middle of the water. Yes. Yeah. So what you're saying is there's a lot more to HR than just being like the principal's office. Yes, there's absolutely so much more. The collaboration with leadership, with the management team, um, we focus a lot on those emerging managers, the folks who mm. have never managed before. Okay, how do you now have conversations that you've never had to have before with people who used to be your exact peers that mm -hmm. you're now in charge of ensuring that they have their expectations and that we're producing quality work for our clients? So what you're saying is I can't just wave the magic wand and make a, an employee a manager by giving him, the, him or her the title. Exactly. <laughs> yes, you cannot chat GPT how to be a manager and have that. Hold on. I think, uh, I'm pretty sure you can. Uh, maybe, maybe the new version, the, 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 the new update, I think, can do that. Yeah, maybe so. So um, your, your clients, um, what's the range of company size? Like, what's the smallest client in the largest client? So our smallest client right now, I mean, we've worked with people who are solopreneurs who are ready to bring on employees. You're going to have to say that word again. Solopreneurs. It is a single. I like that. Yes, it is a, it's a term that I've learned in the last year. Okay. Solopreneurs, an entrepreneur who does not have employees. Okay. Yep. Oh. So they're kind of on their own. Solopreneur. Yeah. yeah Interesting. Okay. So work with solopreneurs. This is how we're going to hire people. These are the things that we need to do before we bring these people on. So you don't have to worry about this and then say, oh crap, we really need a policy because my employee just decided that they're going to yeah. XYZ. Right. Yes. So solopreneurs, um, we have a small company with 14 people who randomly in one weekend, somebody was severely injured, mm. which was terrible. And then another person was diagnosed with cancer. Oh, wow. Good prognosis. But they're like, that's 10% of our staff. Sure. And then what do we even do? How do we handle this? Mm. Yeah. Um, all the way to, you know, 30, 40, 70, hundreds um, our largest client right now that we're working with is uh, 460. Oh, wow. All so, right. Yeah. And so growing. how do you, like when you get a new client and let's say in probably in most cases, their HR is a disaster, <laughs> right? Um, how do you like, what's the first step? Like what's your, like what, what, what is your strategy to turn companies around like that? Oh, that's such a great question. So this is actually something that I've been focusing on in the last six months, which after being in the AEC industry now for 23 years and seeing projects over and over and over again, it clicked that that project execution process also works mm. when you are taking on a new client from an HR front. Ah, ah yes. Funny how that Isn't works. That funny how yes. that works? Yes. Uh, yeah. Huh, tried and true. So um, I decided to give it a chance. So I said, huh. all right, let's go in. Let's Let's treat this as if this were any other project. So internally, we have project managers. We have like a program coordinator who oversees everything. Um, so what we started doing was saying, okay, we're going to come in and do a discovery session, which is essentially like the request for a proposal. Yeah, let's go yeah. in. Let's see everything that you have start to finish. We're going to make recommendations, and then we're going to set we're going to set a plan in place. So these are the things that we recommend you need to get yourself compliant. Um, this is how we can help you. If you don't want our help, no problem. But you have all the list of things that you need to do. Right. Good luck. Yeah. You'll be back. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Job security. Is, yes. And yeah. then that is, um, we essentially treat that like a project. These are the things that we're going to execute in this amount of time. Here's a Gantt chart. Here's your project manager. We're going to have a kickoff call. Duh. Yeah. 
yeah. after all that time, I was like, oh, maybe this is how we should do things because that's what I've been saying for the last uh, 23 years. Interesting. Okay. Huh. interesting. Came full circle. It did. Right? I know. Amazing concept. Well, and um, you, you're speaking the your client's language yes. when you're using the and when you're following that project yes. management process. Yes. Yeah. It, it's something that they can grab, you know, grasp because they live in it every day. Yes. Yeah. And I can tell you just by putting that process in place, the communication and the expectations, there's been very little misalignment of expectations sure, yeah. since we started doing that. I'm like, okay, this makes so much sense. And not that there wasn't before, but it just seemed that communication had to be so, uh, you know, you had to make sure that every five minutes you're sending an email saying we've completed this or whatever. Now it's okay. We're going to meet with you once a week to mm. go over. Here's, yep. here's the scope of services that we're providing. Here's the percent complete. We are, here's the deliverable. Like we're using sure. terms like deliverables. Yeah. Things yes, like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's funny, like, I'm sure you, you're going to agree with this, but even just changing the terminology and the terms you use to match what the, the space that you're in changes a lot of what, they experience one hundred percent, one hundred percent. You have to speak their language. Yeah, it's the same. We're providing it's the, the same, same word, and I mean yes. it's the same thing. It's just a different word for it. Yes, exactly. And we've found that, like with the schools, we've in the last couple of months we've picked up three private schools. They they all have a little bit different niche. Yeah. Uh, uh -huh. One's in the autism space. One is mm. in the Montessori space. Another is um, graduation solutions for people. This was an interesting term I learned. It's called um, education recovery. So they've dropped out of school and now they're going back to pursue their their education. So oh, it's, a okay. it's recovery. Okay, but I didn't. I would not have thought to use those words. Yeah, you're not calling them dropouts. You're calling no, them we're calling in, them. They're in, they're in, recovery. in education recovery. Yes, exactly. Interesting. Huh. Yes. So, but it was learning those terms yeah. so I could speak their language, and now they feel, first of all, that I've that we've done our homework, that we care, right? Because we do care, mm -hmm. yeah. and we want to work with you. Yep. But we've done our homework. Now we're talking the same language, and it just speeds everything along. And people don't look at me and say, "Well, I don't understand how outsourced HR works." Sure. After I've just explained in all words that right. yeah. didn't yeah. make sense. So, I wonder if there's a uh, recovering geoholic out there somewhere. <laughs> oh, I'm certain. I got my we might need on. to start a program. Oh, I, I think that we have the the tools and the, the <laughs> sure. partners of the. Of, uh, uh, we have access to the partners that I can agree. help us make I agree. that program. Hmm. Look, at me, look at me go. Look at me go. I know. Just spitballing here. So I got a question. We talked, well, we mentioned ChatGPT. Of course, we had a laugh, blah, blah, blah. But it's a it's a real deal. It is. And I, I recently got asked to be on a committee to develop an AI, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Like a policy, policy guidelines. Yep, mm -hmm. yep, for uh, the company I work for. I'm curious, are you hearing a lot more discussion about things like that? Yes, I, I'm. we're hearing it across the board. Um, any any industry that's providing some sort of technical um, knowledge, like much like the engineering world where you're going to have to submit a technical report or whatever that looks like, um, we're seeing more and more that people are wanting to put these guidelines in place mm. and wanting to put the guidelines in place because we all know that if you're proactive, sure. set the guidelines, Yep. versus being reactive to, oh, shit, yep. we have to put a policy in place because something's happened. So right. I'm curious, what is that? What is that something? What is that, oh, shit, something is? Oh, well, somebody used chat GPT and got caught for plagiarism or it wasn't accurate because at the end of the day, chat GPT is just pulling stuff from the oh, Internet. Oh, sure. Yeah. Who's, yeah are yeah. you going to ensure that this information is actually accurate? Hmm. So it's just it's. But it's, how is that different than I'm not I'm not disagreeing or I'm just how is that different from any other plagiarism or any other it just seems like it's just another tool 
mm-hmm. right. that you can use to sure. not do your job well. Or yeah. not, <laughs> that's a good it's just so readily available and it's, it seems like it's, it's trending, right? And maybe people don't associate the use of something like an AI bot yeah. with mm-hmm. literally just copying word for word from yeah. someone else and plopping right. it as your own. Right. Yeah. And ChatGPT is so much easier to use. I mean, you go in there with in two seconds, you have a whole thing generated. Yeah. So we actually came across something, a company came to us, um, not in the AEC industry, but they said that... Um, they were getting frustrated because the people who were posting their job ads were just going to chat GPT, typing in, write a job ad, and it mm-hmm. was pulling a job description that didn't align with what their job description was and mm-hmm. just copy and pasting it in there. Mm-hmm. It had no company culture. It had no why come work for us. There was nothing about what does your day-to-day look like. Somebody was hired in and had the set of expectations from the job ad that's posted on their website. Yep. Was told that they were supposed to be doing something that was outside of this magical little thing. Mm. They got, huh. they were terminated. Came back and said that they were wrongfully terminated. Had all this documentation that didn't align with what the company's expectation of the role was. Yeah. So it's the more that you can set the expectations of how to use it. Yes, that, no problem. Going in great ideas from chat GPT about what this person should do on a day-to-day, but that should not deviate from the templates that your company is using and ensuring that we have all the compliance components yep. of that job description. And then it aligns with what you really want them sure. to do. Yeah. Full transparency. I talked about a lot. Chat GPT has saved me so much time preparing mm-hmm. for the podcast. Oh, sure. Um, it's amazing. So I, I love it as a tool for sure. But Again, you still have to read the words, let them bounce around in the squishy Mm -hmm. part up here and and make sure it aligns with what you actually want to do. Absolutely. But it gets you like 75% of the way there. But the the funny story that he's not mentioning is uh, Kent put together uh, a list of questions from ChatGPT, our guest took those questions, put them into chat B- G- oh GPT yes. to get answers. And yeah. the two of them were literally having an AI conversation that oh neither gosh. one. <laughs> yeah, were... so huh. funny. Michael Gula. Yeah, 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 that exactly. So funny. Yeah. So, so funny. But the purpose of the companies putting these policies in place, and we're seeing everything from, we want you to use it when you're trying to send an email to a client to help you. Oh, with yeah. Your verbiage. Yes, great. Sure. But you cannot use it from a technical aspect uh-huh. or you cannot use that and copy and paste that into a proposal. So yep. we're seeing a lot of I mean, there's been a lot of variation as far as what companies want to do as far as the AI. Mm-hmm. But we are seeing that people want to be more flexible with it because it does help people speed up their ability to communicate. What's the A in AI? Artificial. Bingo. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> That's exactly it. It's artificial. Yeah. Yes. So um, but we. Again, proactive, when a company gets together and they set the policy, then we're setting the expectations of how the company wants you to use AI rather than the employees deciding how they are going to use AI mm-hmm. on behalf of the company. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Just Good like stuff. any policy. Yeah. What else? I know uh, you got places to go. Yes. Things yes. to do. I'm excited to walk to around. See. There's so many, so many familiar faces here today. It's I've, great. Uh, it's just so great to catch up with everybody and give yeah. hugs and high fives and celebrate everybody's successes. But yeah, yeah aside from that, um, the, I will tell you recently, we've been seeing more and more just on the HR side. Everybody's looking for people. Mm. It's all about how you position your company culture. You need to radiate your culture to attract the people. The talent pool is small. Get your culture out there. Really focus on your vision, mission, values. Put that in your in your on your website, in your ads, and really try to attract those people with the same values. They're the ones who will. Yeah. They'll be there. They'll be the leaders of your organization. Yeah. It'll be amazing. How uh, how do people reach out to you? What's the best way to do that? 
Oh, gosh. You can visit our website, lnhrconsulting.com. Um, I, we've got a little thing on there where you can request some information. It goes Perfect. to our info box. It's checked all the time. Yep. So. Yep. Laura, yeah. good to see you again. Great yeah. to good see, to see you, you guys. Thank awesome you so much up. for having yeah. me on the show. Congrats on your being. success. Yeah, Thank you absolutely. So much. Yeah. Thank you. And congrats on the, the Europe trip. And I listened to the podcast on the way down. Yeah. From uh, Germany. Oh, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. We had yes. a lot of fun. Bruno from Brazil. Bruno. Yeah. He makes awesome. no plans. He makes no plans. Love him. He's going to walk around. No, nope, he's so, Bruno. Yep, that's awesome. Well, thank you guys so yep. much. Hey, it was great you. to catch up. Okay, we've got Madison in the hot seat. Yeah. So, Madison, if you would, just real quick, self-introduction, give us your name, who you're with, and kind of what you do. Okay, uh, my name is Madison Baker, and I currently work for a company called RLF Consulting. I've been here for three years, but I do have a plethora of experience. I did go to the University of Alaska Anchorage. Oh my gosh. I got a, a Bachelor of Science degree in Geomatics. Nice. Yeah. So shout out to them. I don't think that program exists anymore. But, oh, really? So uh, I guess I'm a rare... Yeah, yes. Yeah. yeah, we call that a unicorn. Yeah, no I doubt. I am a unicorn. I can see the horn, too. <laughs> yeah. <they're... laughs> yeah, well, so Madison's walking by, and she's got a safety vest on, and we started chit-chatting, found out that she's pursuing becoming a licensed surveyor. I am. Right up our alley. Super cool. That's so, awesome. Yeah, tell us where you're at in that process. Uh, I'm actually studying for my FS right now. Um, so I'm just doing practice problems mm -hmm. and seeing how I feel about it. Yep. And how, how do you feel about it? Uh, I'm on the fence because I'm going through like a booklet and like sometimes I'll like nail a question and sometimes I'll be like, uh, that sure. didn't get it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, it's multiple choice. Yeah. Exactly. You got a 25% chance. And you don't have to get them all right. Yes. <laughs> uh, just fill them all in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So where did you live in Alaska then? Uh, Anchorage? Anchorage, Alaska. Okay. Yes. What, and what brought you down here? Um, the love of my life. Oh, <laughs> sweet. So he stole me up and he brought me down here. <laughs> stole me up. I love yeah. it. I love it. So talk about RLF. Tell us a little bit about that company. So RLF is a great company. It's a uh, very, we feel like a family there. We're very small, uh, but we do a lot of different projects. So Phoenix does a lot of like Foundry and Alta mm -hmm. and we both do uh, like Tobos and uh, Tucson, me, does like a lot of construction. Yep. And so we also do a lot of drone work. I'm actually a drone pilot. Oh, nice. Ooh, Part 107. So, yep. Great. That too. Congrats. Really cool. Um, I remember, I'll have, I'm, I've been familiar with the company for a long time. Of course, Mike Fondren's the survey manager, I believe, right? He sure is, yes. Yep. Wait, wait. You haven't worked there? I've not worked there. Is that the one company in the this one town that you haven't worked for yet? At. Got it. Yes. We are hiring, by the way. <laughs> oh, <laughs> your opportunity you is still there. There you go. <laughs> but I remember back in the day, um, maybe it's different now, but RLF was doing a ton of like telecom surveys. We still is that are. still kind of like the core business? Yes. Uh, yep. Phoenix does do a lot of telecom. The guys mm -hmm. are traveling all traveling, over the place. Yep, yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, so you get exposed to a lot of different types of surveying, which is pretty cool, especially pursuing licensure. That's awesome. Yeah. So that's like actually what I love the most about surveying is that you really don't know what you're going to be doing. Like everything changes from day to day and you don't really get bored. Yeah. So it's really nice. It's good to like be in the office and like handle the technology, but it's also fun to go out into the field and you mm -hmm. never know like where you're going to go or what you're going to do. So you get to see a lot of different parts of the industry. Yeah. Yep. yep. How has it been? Like we get really excited when we see a female surveyor mm, yes. just because i mean as you know it is a 
hugely male dominated profession. Uh, that's not the right term. Not hugely. Uh, no, not, not it's not oh, male dominated. No, 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 it's, no, no. You're right. Male. We just uh, talked about this. Yeah, male centered or focused or something. Male centric. Yeah, yes, I don't yeah. know. So well, like when that. the titles are like Chainman and yes. Draftsman, like, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it really doesn't bother me. Um, so when I was in college, like it first started to kind of hit me because I'd be like in a classroom and there'd be like two other girls in there and like just a sea of men, but in uh-huh. like older men. So it's like not just a man's field, but it's like an older man's field. So, yeah. but you know, you just kind of get used to it and I kind of feel right at home. All the yeah. guys are super nice, very sure. friendly. Yeah. For the most part. Right. Yeah. yeah. And by the way, I think she just called me old. I'm certain that that's sure. what she just said. Yeah, yes. yeah. So how did you? She said, what, what, what? Uh, it's kind of luck, honestly. Uh, so when I first went to college, I thought I was going to do like the medical field. And then I learned that that's like not my personality at all. So mm-hmm. I really like math and I love problem solving. And so I kind of knew I wanted to do engineering, but I didn't really know what kind of engineering. Yeah. So I just, uh, I knew somebody who was actually in the geomatics program. So... I was like, well, I'll just switch over here, and if I don't like it, I'll kind of transfer. But I did get in, and I matched like a lot of like the energy the geomatics program was bringing. So nice. I kind of awesome. knew it was a good place for me. Yeah, yeah. And there's not too many programs like that in existence still. You know, it's kind of sad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. What about the uh, the the you know the environmental conditions? You know, obviously surveying in Alaska is a lot different than surveying in Tucson, Arizona. Yeah, so you kind of have to pick your evil, right? So is the cold your evil mm. or is the sun your evil? Right. So actually in Alaska, I actually worked on the oil fields, oh, which wow. is way up north of Alaska. And it gets like negative 60 up there. Sounds so horrific. yeah, you have to like uh, wear special clothing for that. But here it's like you also have to like like mm-hmm. wear layers so the sun doesn't like eat you alive too. So right. Everything it just like has its challenges. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So I, I want to circle back to um, uh, being a, a female in this industry, and in my experience, just so you know, uh, females make better surveyors than than old males. Um, <laughs> I'm sitting right here. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what uh, like for for anyone else? We we talk a lot about outreach and how to get more more kids and more females into the business. What would you tell your, you know, your, you know, a, a, your, 10-year-old aspiring, yeah, your 10-year-old self or what, what advice or what would you say to somebody that doesn't necessarily know what they want to do? They might like STEM or engineering and to maybe get into, in, into this field. Uh, well, like for me, I just really like the technology and I like like the diversity and being able to travel and like I'm really smart like math and I like to problem solve. And so I guess if you're into that sort of thing, that could be a seller. I think a lot of people don't really even know what geomatics is. So maybe just even like getting what that even means out there, I guess. So, That's a great answer. so what would you think of, how do you get it out there? Great question. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, in Arizona, you know, it's really tough. There's no survey programs and, you know, there's hardly any survey classes. I think it is you. They might have one like in the construction management side or something like that. Um, Sean might have some news about uh, University of Arizona at some point. But, uh, but TBD. TBD. Well, yeah. we, we are we are working. Having with, conversations. Yeah, we are having conversations and there is interest and yep. we need it. We they, need it bad in Arizona. Yeah. And we are we are working with the, the 
the folks over at, at the university to make sure that they understand what the demand is from the industry side. Yep. And usually when there's a demand and there's a you know, supply, we yep. can help facilitate that connection. For sure. For sure. So exciting stuff. Stay tuned on that. Yes. Um, so back to what's like, what, what's a day, what a day in the life of Madison look like when you're at work? What do you, what do you do mainly? Uh, okay. So I'm like 80% like an office tech. But I do, I can go out into the field and I go out there when we're like really busy. Yeah. So day in life, Madison shows up, she gets on her computer and she usually <laughs> like does an Asbil or a Topo or get points ready for the guys to go out. Yeah. And then a day of life, if I'm a field person, is I go in, go on the field with a, another partner and usually like stake out nails for construction so the guys know where to put things like yeah. roads and buildings and yeah. utilities and stuff like that and so yeah that's yeah what it yeah. looks like <laughs> so those of you watching on youtube can see that madison doesn't stop smiling she loves I, what I, she does i can tell yeah right she loves what she does so passionate about <laughs> it um so man if that I, it's infectious, you know, it puts me in a good, good mood, like talking to you and talking to somebody who is, you know, that excited about the profession. Yep. Uh, I think maybe I just haven't been in the profession that long. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. There's still time. <laughs> no, no, no. The, 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 the profession is changing. I really do believe that, you know, there are a lot, I don't say a lot, but there is a movement of younger people, you know, getting into it. You know, when we go to conferences, you know, oh, we're yeah. starting to see more young younger people you know or i'm just getting older so everybody looks younger i don't know but, uh, uh, both are both are correct both are happening so yeah it's i think we're trending yeah. in the right direction and i really like know? the 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 excitement and it seems that the energy is and again great we're getting older so our our it appears that the energy is 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 more than it was before and maybe yeah. maybe that's just for normal sure. but for sure um appreciate your time anything else you want to get out there you want, you. you want to say how great Mike Fondren is or anything? Yeah, Mike is great. Ryan's great. Ryan's uh, awesome. Yeah, it's a I great know Ryan. company. Uh, yeah. More women should get into surveying. Yep. Uh, thank you so much for having me. I hope I did okay. You did, you did amazing. Great. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, enjoy the rest of the show. All right. Thank you so much. Bye. All right. We've got uh, Tim with us. Tim we are back. <laughs> no, don't start that. <laughs> Uh, Self-introduction, Tim, why don't you just give us your name, who you're with, and kind of what you do. Yeah, I'm with uh, Aerotech Mapping. My name is Tim Burroughs. I'm a certified photogrammetrist. I've been at this. This is actually my 20th year wow. attending Roads and Streets. 20th Roads 20th. and Streets. How many? Did you say 10 for you or something? Uh, I, I'm going to say 10. 10, wow. Yeah. Amazing. Easy. And this is probably like my third or fourth, something uh, e like that. Easy but, 10, but yeah. Yeah, great event. Great oh event. yeah, yeah. It's just good to see people you haven't seen in a while reconnect, you know, and uh, like just see where people are at in their lives, you know. I mean, things change so rapidly in this world; it's crazy. Mm -hmm. uh, engineers change. Engineers, yep. You know, more than any other industry. You think so? Like, yeah. More than surveying? Yes. Oh wow, interesting, interesting. So, how long have you been in the uh, the photogrammetry business? Close to twenty years. So my oh, so twenty years. Okay. Yeah, background. I was with Tucson Water in the GIS department. Oh, okay. So that's where I got my feet wet yep. with um, GIS. And yep, mapping. Mapping. I came into this this industry like didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my previous firm, I learned a lot. Um, great, great group of people. Uh, kind of learned all the different technologies as they progress throughout the years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, well, let's talk about that a little bit. I mean, gosh, what a, <laughs> talk about some of the changes you've seen over the last twenty years. 
the timeliness of getting data completed um, compared to the old analytical machines. Sure. And, uh, we used to put everything on CD. Yep. Uh, but um, you know, the digital cameras have changed the game, mm-hmm. and then bringing in aerial lidar as well. Right. Um, a lot of us self-perform both at the same time. So, you know, ten years ago, we'd have a, a digital imagery aircraft, and you'd yeah. have your lidar aircraft. Yeah. You're flying two missions. Yeah. Uh, so being able to acquire both do dual acquisition at the same exact time, it's the best of both worlds. Yeah, yeah. We were just um, talking uh, to a gentleman from uh, U of A. Um, and we we're talking about you know a survey program potentially and that type of thing. Um, are there any photogrammetry programs in colleges? You know, that's is there a, anything like that? That's a good question. I don't so, know if there is. Right? It's like, how did you get into photogrammetry? Well, it's probably similar to what uh, you land surveyors did back in the day. You know, you kind of went under a mentor, and yep. I, I mm. firmly believe that's still yep. the the best way to do it. I learned from you know a guy named Don King who was. Mm working at my previous firm in early 60s, Wow! right? And then um, the other gentleman I worked with at my new firm, yep. Um, Lyle. Yep. He's, well, he's older than mapping itself. He's older than, he's yeah. older than He'll the tell maps. you that. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, so just seeing a lot of these guys go before me. And then a lot of um, research videos. Yep. Um, Let's see. I'm I'm drawing a blank, and I'm I don't want to repeat his name, but he yeah. does mapping matters for um, the ASPRS publication. Oh, okay. Okay. So um, even you can be a photogrammetrist. Absolutely. Just watch yeah. YouTube videos. Get a good mentor. Okay. Right. Work for a firm for ten years. Yeah. Um, absolutely. But there's a certification process, right? Yes. And what is? Do you know, like, kind of what that looks like? Is Let's see. I think I got my certification about five years ago because I just renewed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there was a base of uh, five five years in the industry, okay. and then maybe applicable uh, mm-hmm. uh, schooling from there. Yep. Um, and then some references, and then you got to take the test. Yep. Yep. The, te- the test that I personally took had really nothing to do with photogrammetry. It was a lot of satellite based oh, stuff. That, and I think I barely squeezed by, but I, I remember my colleague took it, and it was yeah everything that we talk about so i think they have yep. three or four different tests that they disperse sure. that way you know people aren't trying to cheat yep yep sort of and getting that certification did that help you in your career to have that yes and no mm-hmm. um did i get a raise or anything no, <laughs> <laughs> no um yeah maybe no. some legitimacy yes absolutely yeah that's a good one yeah yeah we'll talk about uh uh aerotech talk about the company you know, we're um, a very aggressive company. We own and operate our own aircraft, which That's huge, uh, right? we're one of the few. And yep. just recently, we got a second aircraft. So now we're fitted with uh, two aircraft with two digital sensors on it and two LiDAR sensors. Oh, wow. So you guys are set up. If You you know, we, we cover the Southwest. Mm-hmm. So if we need to be in Redding, California in the mm-hmm. morning, then we've got to be down in San Diego in the afternoon. And nope, got yep. something out in El Paso. It's a lot of ground to cover, and as you guys know, um, timeliness, and then you toss in a, a round of bad weather for yep. a week. Next thing you know, you're you're just, you're behind. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, having two aircrafts will um, be able to kind of situate ourselves in the western coast, mm-hmm. and then also here in the southwest, so, um, you know, having two full-time pilots and sure. operators is going to be a, very helpful. Yeah. Do, do you need clear blue sky? Um, in a way, um, 
winds are the big, probably the biggest issue okay. that okay. we deal with. Um, and it depends. I mean, you might be doing a 20-acre parcel and clouds all around, but you just happen to hit it at the right time and you don't have a lot of cloud cover and such. But, you know, when you're doing aerial LiDAR, you, you have a lot more, uh, you have a buffer on, on okay. what could be acquired and such. Um, a lot of LiDAR flights in Arizona, for instance, mm-hmm. were up in the air at 4 a.m. Wow. You know, because if you're up there in the, the mid-afternoon, the, it gets mm-hmm. to a certain temperature, it could just destroy your unit. Yeah, so that's another thing, trying to tell our clients, hey, we, we couldn't fight it. What do you mean it was you know, great weather? Well, yeah. you know, it's it's just too hot. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. The logistics side of that's got to be very challenging at times. But I think like, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think Arizona's got to be like the perfect photogrammetry type oh, state, right? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, we've been doing photogrammetry forever without LiDAR. Yep. You know, we get a lot of new clients now. They're like, well, we want LiDAR. I'm like, do you really need it? Do you it? need it? You know, yeah. right. you want that at, a, at an yep. expense. Yep. Um, so it's, yeah, but like you said, it is. I mean, we got a lot of open terrain. Yep. You know, we can see the ground perfectly. and uh, Sunny 330 yeah, days a year sure. or whatever. Granted, yeah. any chance we do, we drop LiDAR on it because it never hurts. Sure. Like, yeah. you know, you could come up with just about the same product hmm. you know in southern arizona yep um so southwest uh with, you know get sure patterns. yeah and it's so and lidar at the same time right Absolutely. Yep. yeah that's that's a game changer especially with the the planimetry that we capture sure um so much easier to you know just compile it from the imagery from trying to piecemeal yeah a bunch of points together so. yeah yeah how much of your time is spent like educating your clients, you know, because a lot of people, you know, you like 20 scale, one foot contours, 40 scale, whatever. I mean, there's a lot of different options there. And even, even myself, sometimes when I go to request, you know, uh, a, a mapping uh, project or whatever, I always have to remind myself, what do I want? You know, is 40, you know, or you grab the you grab the scope that you used last time and yeah. just copy and paste it. Sean, and then, yeah, that is a great point. And I'm glad you brought yeah. it up because, um, yeah, we get a lot of requests. We do a lot of proposals. Yeah. You kind of think to yourself, you know, I've been doing this long enough. Do you really need that? Um, so I, I try without overstepping. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so maybe 50% of the time I'll yeah, kind right. of toss in my two cents. Sure. And, but yep. at the end, I try to deliver what it, exactly what the client mm-hmm. requests. Yeah. And a lot of times it's the person that's asking for it, it may not be the person that's actually going to dig into the weeds on it. Mm-hmm. So they're just saying, yep, this is what I got last time and it worked. Yep. And you sometimes have to go through your client to their other uh, subcontractor who was actually mm-hmm. going to take, you know, take what you give them yep. and really nail it down. You know, 5,000 acres. And you're like, do you want to regroup or, or so-and-so yeah. said they could do it? At this accuracy, because they think the, the better, they don't realize the better the accuracy that the fees just they sure. go higher. Yep. So we try to find that sweet yep. spot to where they can do their modeling of, you know, a suitable scale. Because obviously the lower the GSD, mm-hmm. the more accurate your, your map's going to be. But mm-hmm. you really need to be down in that three centimeter level or three and a half. So right, right. Let's talk about accuracy just real briefly. When you say uh, one foot contours. Right. What you're getting is plus or minus. Is it half a contour? Is that still, is that kind of the rule of thumb? That's like the 1990 standard. Okay. Um, I would be shocked if, you know, I delivered a one foot topo and yeah. your, your residuals are six inches. 
You know, it, it yeah. should be closer to that two tenths. Two tenths. Consistently. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and obviously the topography generated from that surface, it, it mm-hmm. fluctuates a little bit. So that should be right around that three tenths mark. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's talking about here in southern Arizona. You know what I mean? So, sure. you know, when you're dealing with dirt and stuff, you, you go out to a roadway, a photogrammish, photogrammetrist, I mean, those check spots on the roadway should be with around a tenth to fifteen hundred. Yeah. 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 That's Typically. pretty tight. Yeah. It, it yeah. is. And it's like, you, you ask yourself, do you really need that much better to drive up those costs? Yeah, yeah. And I'll be honest with you, like, I, almost every mapping job that I propose on, I always get a quote, um, you know, from an aerial mapping company. I mean, I'm going to give Mike Dower a plug, obviously. You know, a good friend of mine, also works for uh, Aerotech uh, in Southern California. So, uh, and he, he's amazing, amazing. That guy's incredible. Um, but, it, like, the... the because of the technology and the advancements like you talked about earlier, the cost has come down to make it very reasonable to the point like you almost can't survey it conventionally for what you guys are able to do it now. And I, I, I'd like to tag on to that, too. And, uh, you know, we, we have UAVs, mm-hmm. right? Um, we, we utilize them as a tool. Yeah. Um, but, you know, at the, at the end of the day, um, what makes photogrammetrists a little more efficient mm-hmm. is... Uh, we're not just flying that project on that day. Yeah. You know, we're out sometimes 8, 10, 12 projects a day. Really? And that's where the efficiency comes into play. You know, people just automatically think, oh, I, I got to pay to get an aircraft up there. Well, we're also flying a bunch of other projects that, during that time. So yeah. those, those fees are nominal. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? So sure. it makes it efficient for, for you guys as well. And, yep. and you look at the safety aspect. You know, you really want to go throw a crew out in the middle of the and like the, the turnaround time for the deliverables has, you know, come down so much. That used to be a big problem. You know, it used to take like a minimum of 30 days to get a deliverable or something like that. And, you know, now it's like less than two weeks sometimes. So. You know, and, and to kind of go off that, us photogrammetrists, we're working with numerous clients. Yep. I mean, we'll, you know, we I always hear it a lot, you know, a drone. Oh, I could do it in a day. Mm. Well, we, we could do the same thing in a day. But sure. we have 30 other projects we're working on and that's where that two weeks comes into play mm, yeah so it doesn't necessarily take mm-hmm. two weeks to do it yeah um you know it could take one or two days to do but it's yep. just in the queue of all the other projects yep yep gotcha so one thing we ask about a lot is the you know and this might may or may not apply as much but the the is the is the software or the hardware uh where where who who's winning the race as far as the technology and who's lagging behind I'm curious in on on your side and in in the photogrammetry space, is it is the hardware at the top and and it's how to deliver it lagging or 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 is there still room to grow as far as the technology goes? I think it's more or less the personnel operating that hmm, software. Okay, interesting. Um, it's hard to find good people. Yep. Just same way it is for you servers. Um, you know, it's you have these guys behind stereo compilation machines for eight. 10, 10 hours a day. Mm-hmm. It's not for everybody. Sure. You know, you, they put on their headphones and they're they're drawn away. They're just cranking things out. Yep. But personally, I can't do it. Yep. I, it drives me crazy. I can't even really find the surface mm-hmm. when you're putting the mm-hmm. you know that red dot on the ground. I just personally can't do it. There's only a handful of people that can see in stereo well. Yeah. And finding yeah. those people and keeping those people. Um, you know, I've always said we'll hire new bodies in, but yep. it takes three, six months sometimes before you could actually turn them loose. Yeah. On, on map, and then you got your 
second set of eyes coming sure. in, checking their data, making sure it's good. Yeah. yeah. Are you are you predominantly converting surveyors or GIS gaming gaming kids? <laughs> that's, a, that's a trade secret. Uh, okay. Okay. My, okay. I know. I know what the answer is. Then that's funny. <laughs> are you guys struggling though? You mentioned it's hard to find people, and like you mentioned, Lyle, right? Lyle is like an icon in the business. Yeah. Um, and. You know, he's retired now, so that knowledge is no longer available. So, like mentoring, also, you mentioned how important that is. Um, you know, talk about some of those struggles. You know, um, we got a good group. Uh, the owner of our company, Aerotech Mapping, have uh, Leo and Teresa. They've been doing it for a very long time themselves. You know, in the trenches, of working all night to get projects out. So they really yep. have a good grasp of what needs to happen. Mm-hmm. So, you know, still having them uh, overseeing our production team mm-hmm. is, you know, can't ask for anything better. Sure. You know, sure. So. Yeah, that's awesome. What else? You got anything else you want to get out there? Anything, uh, anything, anything exciting? Yeah, new and exciting? Or, uh, you know, um, the only thing we're running, you know, I, I'm sure you guys run into it is uh, insurance. Mm. We're, oh, yeah. we're, we're battling insurance. It's yep. the, the prices are just getting crazy. Yep. So no. us as a sub... Um, you know, if we're working for a civil engineer, they're coming in and say, well, we need 10 million of aviation insurance. Wow. You know, for these bigger firms, they might think, oh, yeah, just do it. But it costs small, yeah. small businesses like ourselves, sure. um, it costs money. Yep. And then when you say, hey, it's going to be X amount of dollars to get this requirement, it's tough. Mm-hmm. So, and um, so things are changing on that side of things. And I don't know what's driving it way over my pay grade. Mm. But uh, I think yeah. it's all across our industry. It's, uh, oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Liability insurance, insurance. Yeah. Yeah. And then it goes back to educating the client, having conversations mm-hmm. with them in order to pass that additional cost on, yeah. you know, making them understand that this is what it takes these days. Yeah. It's, well, and especially yeah. my insurance policy is not your risk abatement. Like, that's uh, not how this works is yeah. you don't use my insurance for your to manage yeah. your risk. Right. You need to exactly. manage your risk. That's a real my insurance is for my risk, yeah. not yours. Yeah. And yeah. some people yeah. just think Take of it that way. Of yeah. It, right? yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm sure you get that same thing. We so. do. So that, it, you know, it's, it's something we're uh, working through the growing pains with. And, yeah. Uh, changing things up internally as well. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, good. Well, yeah. Better than that, life's good. Awesome. Um, Still uh, playing music? I am. I uh, my wife and I have a band called Coyote Road. Yep. Find us on Facebook. <laughs> Shameless plug. Shameless plug. Love it. Um, yeah, we do a lot of rock and roll. Yeah. And it, you know, we have four kids at home, so that's kind of our just you know our breakaway sure. from the yep. family life. We just turn our amps up loud. It's awesome. Play old rock and roll. And yeah. So I was trying to get us our band to play here yeah. tonight. That'd be amazing. Last next year I we're. we're Work on. Oh really? Have a big rage That'd be so and, cool. Uh, is the plan to turn it into kind of like a Partridge Family thing and get all the kids in the band <laughs> and start handing out tambourines? And... They, they all are uh, required to take piano. Okay, very, very good. Yeah, nice. Bitch and complain. Um, <laughs> they got to take piano lessons every week. And yeah. uh, we actually even my wife's a professional pianist, but she yeah. hires somebody else to oh, come yeah. in and teach our kids because yeah. they won't listen to us. Yeah. yeah. Same thing with youth sports. I coach my kids to eat. Sure. Yeah. Nice. Blast. Oh, that's great. Yeah. All good things that build a solid foundation you know yeah so good for you hey good to see you it's been a while Likewise. glad we got to catch up and it's thanks first, for your time first time on the geoholics oh nice i, I do listen all the time so yeah i wasn't really know what to expect yeah to listen to the playback and, there you go sure awesome. it, i will say it's really hard to hear your own voice i, I don't think <laughs> it, many of us ever it, do that it like, takes a while to get used to yeah, yeah. I, really yeah. I love it yeah so, 
All right. right. Thanks for talking about Tim. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Ah, back from lunch. Back from lunch. Yep, not a bad spread. Yeah, nice. Yep, I had a protein platter, had like a bratwurst and a burger and a chicken leg. And good for you. Yeah, feeling good. Yeah. Feeling good. Not yeah. so weighed down. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Nice, yeah. nice. They they ran out of salad, so uh, right, I had an excuse right. to just go uh, all meat. Ready for a strong afternoon? I am. I'm feeling good. Feeling good. All right. In fact, let's get that rolling. Yeah, let's um, do it. Quick introduction. Just go ahead and give us your name, uh, who you're with, kind of what you do. Sure. Uh, Chuck Guida. And I am a federal employee in between agencies right now. Okay. I was with the U.S. Treasury, and I'll be starting with FEMA, FEMA. On Monday. FEMA? What's your role going to be? Civil engineer. No kidding. For like a, a section, like how does FEMA, how are the geog- like geographically, how are they set up? Kind of like the U.S. court system where you have different districts. So I'm going to be in Division Three, which is out of Philadelphia. Districts. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, and they service eastern states like Pennsylvania, New York, Virginia, West Virginia, New Jersey, yep. Washington, D.C. And then other divisions serve other areas of the, of the yeah. country. So, uh, but I'll be mostly working from home, yep. uh, but then going out to Philadelphia every so often to sure. interface. Interesting. But I, I haven't started yet, so I really don't know what it's going to entail except I'll be doing some civil engineering. Yeah, yeah. So you actually be in the trenches a little bit, huh? Absolutely, yeah. That's exciting. Yeah. Get you back into it, right? Because you were, what did you do prior yeah, what to was your previous? Yeah, so I was with the Treasury for about 12 and a half years. 12 and a half, okay. um, Not really a well-known thing, but the Treasury does employ foresters, geologists, <laughs> civil engineers, electrical engineers, computer engineers, mechanical engineers, because there are various aspects of the tax code that involve engineering assets or engineering principles and the revenue agents which are trained in accounting don't have an appreciation of that so we come in as a field specialist look at what it is that's going on and so there's a blend of tax code and then the engineering background that that we have as engineers for treasury and uh, so we look at the assets uh, we look at the the argument that taxpayers made and uh, does it hold water or is it you know subject to you know, some adjustment. Yeah. And so, yeah. I'm sure you got some great stories. I do, but I can't. So. Yeah. <laughs> you knew where I was going. Because you're yeah, still a, yeah. still a federal employee, right? Well, just I mean, one, come on, yeah. just one. I mean, it's, it's really unusual uh, that, you know, one of the last things they said to me before I left is, uh, you know, here's a non, here's the non-disclosure that sure. you're not allowed to discuss any of the yep. case specifics. I saw a lot of really neat things. Um, and um, experience some testy arguments at times. Yep. Um, <laughs> I mean, there was one one point in time where I was interviewing uh, the owner of a company. Sure. And uh, you know, I got to call the name uh, a couple different names. That, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was it was very unusual, but yeah, you know. He, he, I think he had a sense that mm-hmm. what he had been doing wasn't exactly <laughs> on, the, on the up and up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but yeah. you know, most of the time, though, you know, we dealt with corporations, mm-hmm. and so it was never a personal thing, mm-hmm. you know. And it was just you know, re- deal with the corporate attorneys, deal with the corporate accountants. Yep. Never, you know. The, it's, it's rare that it was a, a an owner. Right. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So if you have a a general contracting firm, for instance, that has mm-hmm. applied for some of these types of credits or deductions. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
and they're not publicly traded, you're more likely than not to interface with the owner. Mm -hmm. And it's a rare instance, but yeah. yeah. So how did you tell me, go, go back a little bit. How did sure. you start with the, how did you get a job with the treasury as a, as a, what would you call it? A specialist or trade field, spe field, field specialist? Field specialist. Yeah, yeah. That's what they call the, uh, the engineers. I'm, and the I'm guessing you didn't graduate college and say, I'm going to go get a job with the treasury. No, no, that wasn't the case <laughs> at all. Uh, things were going along swimmingly, uh, until the late two thousands when the economy turned. Uh, what were you doing at that time? I was a regional manager for a geotechnical firm in Las Vegas. Ah, oh, oh, right up my alley. Huh. Yeah. No wonder you guys get along so well. Yeah, yeah no well, wonder we get along yeah, so well. Interesting. <laughs> we kind of know the same people. <laughs> right. <laughs> we know where the bodies are buried. Right. <laughs> Literally, right. <laughs> yeah, so I was doing a lot of uh, deep foundation uh, engineering on the strip. I brought Turnberry Towers out of the ground. Uh, Steve Wynn's first tower, I did the foundation engineering quality assurance. Oh, nice. Phase on that. Um, Bellagio Spot Tower oh. also, yep. Uh, and so various other subdivision projects. I was also a certified environmental manager in <laughs> Nevada, so I did some phase one, phase two work also. Oh, cool. nice. And, uh, so tell me a little bit about, you mentioned deep foundations, like mm -hmm. what is the, what is it like designing foundations on the strip? Like, uh, you know, throw, they just throw up those casino, you know, the tower is just like nothing, right? I mean, it's... There's a lot of due diligence, and I think it's a little bit more complicated than people would think. Uh, if you if you know anything about Mandalay Bay... Yeah? ...and what happened there, and what happened, oh, yeah. had to happen to remediate that... Uh, well, what did, real quick, what did happen with well, Mandalay Bay? Um, I won't name names. Sure, sure. Um, but the initial geotechnical investigation didn't really go down deep enough uh, to discover that there was actually an underwater lake. Uh, and putting it in super, super simple terms, there was an aquifer and a trapped body of water because, you know, that's all sedimentary. Right, you know, you yeah. got your caliche and, and, you know, sands and clays yep. and more caliche. So there's kind of like this sandwich in the Las Vegas Valley, right? And uh -huh. so I think they had hit what they thought to be hard pan, mm. which would be that caliche layer. Mm -hmm. But then immediately below that, as I understand it, there was this underwater lake wow. or underground lake, if you will. Yeah. Um, and so when Mandalay Bay had been topped out and, you know, you, you calculate, you know, how much, how many pounds per square foot that you're going to apply, you know, live load, dead load. Yep. Mm -hmm. And, you know, based on the depth of the foundations and everything, the building shouldn't settle. Yep. Right. I think I'm not exactly sure how many years it was after it topped out, but they started getting cracked windows in Mandalay Bay. There's differential settlement hmm. that was being experienced in Mandalay Bay. So another engineering firm, believe from Chicago, got called in to consult. And so the ultimate solution was to put a series of micro piles in and kind of create this nest. Okay. So that it wouldn't settle any further. Wow. And uh, so had the investigation and geotechnical and been a little bit more diligent, they would have discovered that and maybe designed a different foundation system. The first foundation system I had uh, was a Turnberry one. And it was a mat foundation. And another thing that gets looked over a lot is the water table. Mm. We were seven feet below street grade until we hit a water table. Wow. So I had about 27 wells pumping out so that we could go subgrade hmm. without flooding the site. Oh. 
That's crazy. Yeah, you would not think that, that the water table is that shallow. Right. Yeah. And it's a perched aquifer. Yeah, sure. Right, yeah, right. Yeah. Because, you know, it's caliche, and that's ultimately what the foundation, the Matt Foundation for Turnberry, that particular tower, was notched into a caliche layer. Mm-hmm. And it was real important not to go through it. So the last few feet of excavation yep. really had to be interesting. Uh, taken, yeah. you know, take special care so you didn't have that mm-hmm. caliche layer crack. So that Mandalay Bay example, um, what was like? What Which was I the... was not associated with. Oh, uh, sure, yeah, yeah, I understand. I understand. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, but, but like, what is the ultimate lesson learned in that case? Yeah, I think you really have to have some some sanity checks, right? Make sure that, and I think also being familiar with the with the geology of the Las Vegas Valley ah. and understand mm-hmm. that there are not just one perch aquifers, but to be several perch several. aquifers. Sure. And the caliche plays a big role in that because it's yep. it's like concrete. You know, yeah. it's got a PSI of around 45, 50,000. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's hard stuff. It's really a bear to excavate through. And, uh, but, you know, I don't know where the mistake happened. Sure. We but just it's, know it did happen. And, yeah. you know, I'm sure there were a lot of lessons learned on that. And yeah. I'm sure at some point you got, like you said, it's a sanity check. Like, okay, this is not the first tower that's in this area. Right. What? Maybe we just got lucky and have much shallower foundation? I mean, that's the, the general check. The other rule is you always want a geotech from that local area oh, so yeah. they understand the, the, lo- the local. If you bring somebody from out of town, they may not know that. They may think they're doing a thorough investigation sure. and not even ever see it. Yeah, I think it sense. might have been at that point in time, the furthest south on this trip, that a high rise had gone up. Before uh, then, I think it okay. was Luxor. Yeah, and yeah. the Luxor, I don't think, is as tall as Mandalay Bay no. or the or the ancillary structure of the Mandalay Bay uh, yeah. that they had up. But yeah, it's it, it was I think the furthest south, and it's proximate to the airport, which you know mm-hmm. also limits the height of the building that can go uh, up. Yeah, right. got it. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, we, we got to talk about the sphere. That's the biggest thing that everyone's <laughs> clamoring about, you know, and just what an amazing structure that is. Any comments or anything? Um, what, what was on that site before they built this? I don't think there was much of anything of that I can. Yeah, I think it was actually a staging area for a lot of the convention stuff. Okay. If yeah. memory serves correctly, it was just a big open parking lot. Okay. Uh, my wife and I were there in September for her birthday, and the plan was to see Steve Martin and Martin Short over at uh, oh, yeah. the Wynn that weekend, but they canceled, and they oh, rescheduled wow. for December 15th yeah. or 14th. So, you know, we said, well, I guess we have to come back to Vegas in December. Yeah. And we were staying at the Palazzo, and our room was facing the Sphere. Yeah. And so... I had never seen it. I, I had seen it going up in various stages yeah. when I visited Vegas, but I did not see the finished product up until this mm-hmm. September. And wow. Amazing. It's just an incredible structure yeah. on the outside. Yeah. We're going to go and see you too. Nice. The day after we see awesome. Martin, oh, Short, nice. Steve yeah. Martin. Yep. And, uh, you know, it's not 4K resolution screens. or 16K resolution yeah. screens. <laughs> yeah. That's insane. Yeah. It's just almost better than reality, yeah. you know? Yeah. It's not a hundred speakers; it's thousands of speakers on the inside of that thing. Yeah, yeah. So uh, yeah. we're really, really looking forward to it. Yeah, I can't wait to hear about it. And um, then I just want to think about how do you design a foundation for a ball, right? Yeah. Like, and I know it's you know it's kind of in the ground a little bit, you know, uh-huh. or it looks it has that illusion, but yeah. that still has to be some you know unique challenges, I guess. It's that goes be. into. Yeah. Yeah. Is there anything like that in the world? Is that like one of a kind? Another- 
or Saudi Arabia, maybe. I think I might have heard something there about there is something out in the Middle East. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not quite as big, I don't think, but you can fit the Statue of Liberty, the real one, not the one on the strip, inside of the sphere. That's wow. insane. I didn't know that. Got to so. get there, man. Like you were saying I had last night. I something on my phone I could probably show you, but uh, yeah. you know, it's not for viewers, of course, because uh, they couldn't see it. But yeah, I took some. I'll show you after the yeah, show. Sure. Yeah, sure. It's pretty amazing. So, what are you look for, looking forward to in the in the new role? Uh, because again, I did a lot of stuff in Vegas and other parts of the Southwest as mm-hmm. a civil engineer. I maintained my professional engineer accreditation, even though I was with the, the Treasury. But um, the thing I miss most about is is starting out with nothing and then being able to you know Vegas and it's yeah. like is it that building? Yeah. You know, oh yeah. That yeah, type yeah. of thing. I mean, even a sign foundation across from Caesars. I did Caesars ballet parking garage too when that was going. Oh on. wow. So um, yeah, a lot of a lot of spread footings on that one. Yeah. Fourteen by fourteen foot spread footings for the parking wow. garage and so. <laughs> <That's huge. laughs> But uh, you're still going to be in a position where, like, something has to happen to initiate yeah, you to do something, right? Yeah, we've got lots of stuff that happens. If you look at the purview of FEMA and what they respond to, wildfires, earthquakes, yep. hurricanes, yep. tornadoes, yes. uh, flooding, you know, and that's, you know, I'm sure there's other stuff that's involved as well, but yep. infrastructure is always impacted by that type of event. Mm-hmm. And so, as I understand it through my interview and and discussions afterwards that you know i'll be involved in the post disaster recovery efforts awesome we're also going to try i think take a look ahead Mm -hmm. and maybe harden some of the structures Mm -hmm. yeah that's what i was going to ask yeah you know you you have an area of the the country that is always hit by a hurricane or whatever you know tornado yeah be proactive somehow right right right. so you know this breath is always failing you know what can we do to mitigate that you know do we need to harden it do we need to you know do some different engineering yeah and uh so i think we're going to try to do um for lack of a better word disaster prevention mitigation type of assessment yep you go in and and look at those type of that's exciting things and so i I think i'll be plenty busy uh they are very short staff and uh they, they could use more engineers i know that yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Well, with your background, it seems like the perfect fit. I hope so. Yeah. I hope I can help out a lot because uh, I think not only would be getting involved in the civil engineering community again, and, mm-hmm. and it's so refreshing to come to this convention and be, you know, say that I'm a civil engineer again. Yeah. You know, I've always been a civil engineer, but it, you know, yeah. like now yeah. I'm really doing civil engineering work as Practicing. opposed to. I'm with Treasury, and then you have to kind of explain what the hell is an engineer yeah. doing at Treasury. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. Yeah. yeah, and then you know they, oh, I got to go. You know, it's like yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like telling people you're a surveyor, and they ask what that is. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a bit of a bit of a chore. But uh, what else? Anything else you want to get out there? I mean, obviously you're excited about the new gig. Absolutely, very seeing you too. I'm jealous about that. I don't know. Um, it's uh, it's just good to be back in the, in the engineering circles yeah. for real instead yeah. of just kind of assessing other mm-hmm. folks' engineering. Yeah. And yeah. Um, you know, it's good to see some old friends here at the convention too. You know, yeah. folks that I went to school with back in the '90s are here, and you know, it's yeah. good to reconnect with those guys. And, yeah. and they're happy for me too. That's I cool. Think everybody's really happy. And I'm Absolutely, happy. wife's yeah. happy. Everything's yeah. gonna be great. Um, I, I do have one more question. Yes, sir. This is kind of funny. Um, so we've talked to wives of surveyors, but I don't think we've talked to a husband of a oh, surveyor. Oh, that's actually a good question. That's yes. right. My wife is a uh, land surveyor registrant in uh, yep. several states, California. Yep. So are surveyors as crazy as everybody says they are? 
I know she doesn't listen, so I know, I, you can uh, be honest. I don't think that's uh, something that would describe her. <laughs> good, love good. Good answer. Good yeah, answer. She's very well measured. And, there you go. There you ah, go. yeah, I like I like I like, I like the joke there. Well yeah. yeah. Um, but no, I mean she's. You know, it's not that she doesn't have fun, but, you know, I, I think she takes her work seriously. Yeah. Um, and people respect her for that. Yeah. There aren't a lot of women surveyors in, in the industry at all. Exactly. Yeah, it's, um, a, it's a common thing we talk about. But it's it's nice that she gets the recognition I think she deserves. She's she's She stays up on top of everything. And, yeah. you know, she's... Yeah. She's very, very thorough and, and meticulous, I sure. think, in her methods. And, yeah. and, but, no, she's not crazy. <laughs> Maybe a little insane. Not crazy. <laughs> Just a little bit. <laughs> All right. Uh, thank you. Thank yeah, you for your time. This has been a great conversation. Really appreciate it. Yeah. 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 So maybe in a year I'll have more uh, news on. Uh, That'd be yeah, amazing. yeah. Look forward to it. A year in review with FEMA. Yeah. And you'll be back here. So we'll do this again. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. Thanks, Thanks for stopping guys. by. All right. Thank you. And we're back. It's we Sean are back. <laughs> oh man, not, the food's starting to digest now. It's yeah, starting to yeah. feel good. You know, well, they 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 cracked a keg, and I saw some margaritas flowing here. So uh, this place will start to get a little livelier yeah, if that's possible. We're in a good spot. You see here? Oh you yeah. See, like the kegs rolling by. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is great. This is great. All right, we've got Chris and Reagan with us next. Uh, just a couple self introductions. Give us your name, who you're with, what you do. Reagan, why don't you go first? Okay. Um, my name is Reagan Guevara. I am a business development representative with Chronicle Heritage. Um, I source new business opportunities for our company, and that goes across the board, across the nation, and even um, internationally as well. Oh, wow. Awesome. We'll get more into that in a second. Yeah. Chris. Uh, I'm Chris Rail. I'm the uh, regional principal for the Southwest at Chronicle Heritage. So I uh, oversee the operations uh, in Arizona, New Mexico, Texas, and for the moment, Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Okay. All right. Uh, well, before we go any further, you got to tell us what is Chronicle Heritage. A Chronicle Heritage is the largest cultural resource management firm in the United States. Oh, okay. Um, and maybe soon internationally. Um, so uh, we've definitely been expanding our international footprint. And um, but right now, yes, we are the largest sole cultural resource management firm. So we're all archaeologists. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was our previous iteration was Paleo West. Um, and then we had an, an acquisition with Commonwealth Heritage Group, uh, mm -hmm. which basically doubled the size of our organization okay. and uh, changed us in a lot of really awesome, positive ways. And uh, yeah. know, we have a lot of resources available to us. Uh, and just kind of untapped on what we can do mm -hmm. in the future in this in this realm. So, so people that are listening that have no idea what you're talking about, talk, just dive a little bit deeper into what it is you guys provide. Okay, so uh, generally we're all archaeologists, and um, so land developers and anybody that wants to do something with land, uh, certain entitlements and, and land clearances have to be done. So you have your environmental compliance process, mm -hmm. um, which is. In itself, its own thing, but sure. there, there's there's archaeological uh, laws as well in sure. place. Uh, so we're just part of that land clearance um, industry. Mm -hmm. Gotcha, gotcha. And Reagan, how did you get into this? I um, was scouted for this job. Are you an archaeologist as well? I am slightly an archaeologist, not nearly as much of an archaeologist as Chris is. 
Um, I went to school for anthropology and I studied oh, nice. in undergrad. But very cool. I, um, yeah, I was got it for this, and it's super fun. I get to work along amazing people who are very well educated in this and get to learn every single day. So it's 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 cool to be able to do that. Yeah, really exciting. I'm sure you got some amazing stories of stuff that you've uh, come across. Anyone come to mind that you can share? Uh, you know, I, I do on occasion get asked what's the coolest thing you've ever yeah, found sure. or whatnot. Yeah. And, okay, so um, as a uh, graduate student, I did work in Mexico, uh, mm. particularly the Maya region, and cool. lots of wonderful, cool archaeology down there. But uh, what's the most interesting thing I found? That would be in uh, the middle of Phoenix in a, in a urban metro, metropolitan area, right? Um and was working on a road project, a street project, and they were trenching down the middle of 19th Avenue. And this wow. is a really busy street. Yeah. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. Um, right before you get over the, um, the Salt River there. Mm -hmm. uh, ostrich egg. Fully no intact way. ostrich egg. And we're talking in the same trench that had uh, pre-contact uh, materials like uh, grinding stones for, uh, you know. Wow processing corn, that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, but this was later, a little higher in the stratigraphy. What it was is there was an ostrich farm on the corner of 19th Avenue. And I, I want to say this is, well, it's just north of the river, maybe baseline or something like that. Okay. So, no, it's southern, southern okay. Avenue. Yeah. Um, there was an ostrich farm there at the uh, turn of the uh, 20th century. And if you think like Titanic and the Edwardian era and mm. the ladies' hats, it was all big plumage. Yep. And ostrich feathers was a, uh, a big, big yeah. part of that. So, yeah. yes, here in the uh, southern Arizona, you have this kind of burgeoning ostrich farming industry, primarily just for the plumage. And, uh, yes, I, I have this full intact, well, we had this full intact yeah. ostrich egg. You could shake it around, it was like a clot of dirt. You know, inside the same. <laughs> oh, anyway, that, to me, that was kind of the most interesting thing. Yeah. Unexpected thing to come across. Right, right. So, Reagan, what do you love about, uh, you know, working for Chronicle, of course, and, and in your job? I mean, it sounds like you have a pretty exciting opportunity here to, uh, you know, to promote and sell what, uh, uh, what, what Chris is talking about. Yeah, so I definitely think the most exciting part is that every day is different. I mean, all of our projects are widely different from one another mm -hmm. um, and getting to work across the nation. I have a counterpart um, and who's also a business development representative. Her name is Natalie Gomez. And we work together to find really cool projects for our teams across the country. And internationally, it's just, it's cool to hear all of the things that are coming about that are being built. Um, and like I said, I get to learn every single day, which is amazing uh, to hear these kinds of stories. That was the first time I heard that, and it was very interesting, but cool. Well, you, and you're yeah. going to use it again, aren't you? Oh, right? yeah, for sure. That's a selling point, right? without a doubt. Um, but yeah, no, I wouldn't have known that otherwise, and I think it's a piece of history that I get to learn about um, firsthand. So. Yeah, sure. And I'm sure you guys then have to be very, very early in the development process, right? And yes. So you're identifying some of these ideas of projects sometimes before there's even plans for them. Is that right? Sure. So you got your pre-construction process and uh, somebody wants to clear land and get those entitlements for all their permitting in place and whatnot. And so say, for example, in the city of Phoenix, there are certain laws that need to be followed in Phoenix for the permitting process mm -hmm. there. Uh, cultural resources is a big part of that. So uh, usually on the, uh, the early end, we're out there doing the surveys, identifying any potential problems or issues that they have. Mm -hmm. They're further on the development process and you know, they, they've got land that they're going to build on and they know that there's known archaeological sites mm -hmm. there and whatnot. Uh, okay. Then that's where we may be called in to handle all that mitigation work. Okay. Know? So okay. they'll excavate and collect the data 
yeah. still clear clear it, but at least we've, well, not preserved. I mean, archaeological mm. work is destructive. We were actually removing this from mm -hmm. the ground. But we do have the data and um, be able to do the analyses and, you know, figure out what was going on. I'm rather clear, like, is it purely non-destructive or Correct. you dig a bunch of holes or how do you... Do a bunch of GPR. We're, we're survey, you know, geospatial nerds here, so we love the, the technology part and how you how you get to where you, where you need to go. That is a great question. Um, back east, uh, I wouldn't really call it destructive. I mean, it is destructive. Anytime that you're putting a shovel in the ground, you're, yeah, you're sure. doing yeah. disturbance, right? So uh, out here in the west, because we have such unobstructed views, you know, there's mm -hmm. not heavy vegetation, and whatnot, we're able to conduct purely pedestrian surveys, and uh, we can identify site areas just from looking at what you know is left on the ground. Really? Yeah. So you'll have plenty. You know, you can identify artifact concentrations. The type of artifacts are there may indicate this is a habitation area versus maybe just more of an activity area. That kind okay. of thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. But back east, where it's heavily wooded, where you have a lot of vegeta vegetation and understory. You actually have to do shovel testing and dig into the ground just to define mm -hmm. where the site areas are. Interesting. Wow. So you do that systematically, maybe 25 meters, 50 meters apart. You put in a shovel. Mm. You have a positive one here with artifacts coming out. The next one, nothing there. Okay, let's do one more beyond that. There's nothing there, too. That's good enough. We've mm. kind of identified this is the, the extent of the site areas. So right. That's how that works. So who are your typical clients? Like, who's hiring you guys? Uh, uh, well, uh, private and federal and state, you okay. know, so uh, those would be the, the three biggies, right? Federal mm -hmm. work, uh, particularly for the big land managers out west, so Bureau of Land Management, Bureau of Reclamation, mm -hmm. uh, Bureau of Indian Affairs, obviously lots of, uh, you know, if there's work on tribal lands and that sort of thing. And in the private sector, um, wide range, uh, utility work is a big one. Um, just even doing vegetation management within existing utility corridors for safety. Sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of our utility infrastructure was built, you know, a long time ago. Mm -hmm. um, cultural laws have really been on the books since, you know, 1966 and really not being fully kind of enforced and, and um, institutionalized by, you know, say the mid seventies. Right. Um, so a lot of those existing lines, uh, you know, they, they want that cultural work, us to go through there and identify. And when they're removing the vegetation, if you're going to be cutting down big trees, let's say you're in a pine forest uh, and you have architectural features there, you don't want to be dropping limbs and oh, things on, okay. on, on things like that, right? Yeah. So uh, it's quite a diverse array of, of clients. Yeah. 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 But land sector, of course, being one of the most obvious, right? Because yeah. people want to build and and make new things and, yeah. but we also want to understand what was there before are you like to do this do you have to have a certification or a professional license like are you a professional archaeologist or anything along those lines uh yes we don't have any bo like governing body that certifies yeah. anybody but yeah. I am a registered professional archaeologist which means okay. I do have to uh, abide by a code of ethics mm -hmm. um and uh as far as specialization goes, uh, for federal projects, they generally require a master's degree in anthropology or history or other related fields to meet the Secretary of Interior standards yeah. in order to conduct the work or at least to be, supervise the field work and that sort okay. of thing. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, how many times do people ask you about Indiana Jones? Dude, I was oh, thinking the same thing. I held back. I held back. I'm probably like, this was something when I was in grad school that it was hated by some of my professors that I said I went to grad school. I went to, to school for anthropology because of Indiana Jones. Oh, my but God, that's awesome. whether or not people hate it as an archaeologist or not, I think it's so cool that I think that genre of movies mm-hmm. is so well-known mm-hmm. and makes people fall in love with the field. So. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about, uh, and I'm going to ask, and I'm not sure how to, how to word this, but so because I'm picturing, you know, you dig a hole and you find something. How long did it take you to be able to see right away that, okay, that was a grinding stone, not just a rock that's there. Mm. Like, because if you and I looked at the same area, we would see different things, right? Yeah, it's really not that difficult. I mean, it's like training, you know, to, to just recognize something, right? So like a, a piece of ground stone that somebody was using to process corn, for example, <laughs> right? uh, is going to look very different from just a rock. You okay. Know, it's going to, you know, it, It'll look like a rock on at least three sides, but that fourth side is going to be nice and smooth down, stri- yeah. striations. Right. Yeah. Um, and in, in the case of here, say, in uh, the desert southwest, we have really formalized tools, uh, you know, from even 2000, well, about a thousand years ago. You, you got these really beautifully crafted trough matates, you know, and uh, for, for two-handed huh. uh, grinding, you know, so that even the grinding stones are really big. Sure. But say, take that back 2,000 years from there when people, you know, without getting, you know, here's the thing. I mean, it, we are archaeologists. We do kind of use some cultural processes in a, in a linear fashion. And you could say that the, the previous archaic people, their grinding stones were much smaller, much more informal because they're <laughs> collecting grasses and those sorts of things. They're, they're, they're not domesticating you know, crops sure. and growing stuff uh, on okay. a massive yeah. scale, right? Yeah. They're still hunter-gathering, so they're still, you know, they're gathering wild plant foods and processing those. And you'll take grass seeds and do the same thing. You're still grinding it down into a paste, mm-hmm. adding some water and cooking it and making something that hopefully tastes delicious, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And supplementing it with, with game hunting at the same time. But sure. you can you can definitely tell that if you've been trained to, to – to understand those tools, you can tell the difference in those tools. What's the most common thing you find? Flake stone or um, hmm. chip stone from from making stone tools. Okay. Hmm. I mean, um, be, just because there's a that's a much longer period of history that people are making stone tools versus say making pottery. Uh, yeah, because everyone pictures you just pull up clay pots that yeah. you know yeah. right. that's what you yeah. see in a museum. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. a lot of just uh, the, the material that's left over after busting rocks to, to make sharp tools, you know, yeah. for, for processing things. Um, thing with uh, pottery is, is that's related to intensive agriculture and domesticating crops. And <laughs> it's only until you want to store an excess of food that you start uh, thinking about making containers to actually store so this kind of thing. Yeah, like I never yeah. even thought about that. I mean, yeah. no, no, no. keep in mind, outside of pottery, there's there's options, right? You can make bags, and people certainly did uh, process food in bags, like in leather bags. You <laughs> heat up hot water. Okay. I mean, so there there's many methods that you can do, but the pottery, its biggest function is being able to cook food and to store food. <laughs> um, but you could store food in a box. You could sure. store it in a leather bag. I mean, so uh, you store it in the ground. I mean, there's lots of options. Right, right. Um, but, yeah, pottery was kind of game-changing. 
is it one of those things where like you guys show up on the site and like the project owner's like, oh shit, here come those guys. And then you, cause they're worried about you finding something and shutting down their project potentially, you know? Sure. And you know, I would say maybe 30, 40 years ago that was, you know, and then and it's still a vestigial concern for a lot of folks, but mm-hmm. I mean, we know way uh, quicker or sooner in the process these days than mm-hmm. say we did 30 or 40 years ago. Uh, you know, okay. somebody's got a project and comes to you and says, we're interested in developing this piece of land. Well, mm-hmm. okay, let's take a look at what you got there. Um, we can, you know, confidently, usually pretty confidently say, yeah, you're going to be good. You're going to have to do a few compliance things, but you know, you're probably going to be good once, once we're done with this or yep. we're really straight up. And it's like, no, you don't want to build here because yeah. this is going to be uh, very expensive. Sure, you know? yeah. yeah. Kind of like a geotech. Kind of. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like I know right away if you're yeah. in an area, like your costs are going to double because of that area yeah. Yep. and not everybody really knows that. Sure. And is that, and, and I'm curious, is there resources out there, you know, a, a GIS map that I can turn on the layer and it'll tell me where all the arrowheads are? I know that's a very simple way to ask that, but yeah, uh, pretty much every state uh, has an electronic database uh. for site information and previous project information and that sort of thing. Um, obviously, it's confidential and you have to have, you know, to be credentialed in order to have access to, to that information. But yeah. Yeah. Um, and you, do you have to report to that same agency everything that you guys find? Correct. Okay. Yep. Yeah. yeah. How about you, Ring? What are you excited about? Like, what do you love about the company? What are you excited about moving forward? Um, what I love about the company is the atmosphere, for sure. Everybody gets along really well. It's really a, a laid-back company. Um, I look forward, though, to, like I said, learning and moving forward in my career um, within the culture resourcing. I mean, I went to school for anthropology and Unfortunately, I graduated during COVID, so yeah. that kind of set me back a little bit, uh, sure. getting hands-on experience. So getting to hear about it and know exactly what it takes to mm-hmm. do these projects is really um, a nice aspect of my job. So. Awesome. awesome. Very good. You guys cover, you said, predominantly Southwest? Go anywhere? Uh, Chronicle Heritage is nationwide. In, in every state? In every state. Oh, okay. Yep. All right. Yeah. Yep. So cool. Why Alaska? And internationally. So, uh, you know, we've been doing work in the Caribbean. Uh, nice. Uh, over the hump there in the Himalayas uh, during World War II. So we have missing airmen that are still MIA. Yeah. We're part of that recovery process Interesting, there. yeah. Um, and we're doing operations along the Red Sea in Saudi Arabia right now. So uh, a lot of cool Roman sites. Oh, Roman well, that's neat. There. Oh. Yeah. That's awesome. We got to have these guys back for a full episode. Absolutely. Now yeah. my mind's really racing. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> That would be awesome. That yeah, cool. for sure. Well, hey, thank you guys for your time. Really appreciate it. It's been yeah. a great conversation. Yes. Yep. Enjoy the rest of the show. Awesome. Yep. Thanks. 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 Fantastic. Thanks, guys. All right. Um, we have Ollie with us next, and I am going to have him do quick introduction because there's no way in hell I'm going to get his last name right. Uh, so just your name, kind of who you're with, and what you do. Okay. So I'm Ali Shamshiripur. I am a new faculty at the University of Illinois. Did you go to Wait, did you go to U of I? <laughs> yes. Oh, that's why he said that. That's so funny. I went to uh, SIU. Okay. Yeah. Ali, yeah, well, you might want to practice University of Arizona because your yes. new employer wants you to know. <laughs> it's just a habit. I get it. I get it. Yeah. So what do you what do you do at the U of A? Um, Transversal research, in short. Oh, okay. Um, so my focus is on on travel behavior and activity behavior what people do when they decide to do that. 
uh, to whom do they uh, reach out to go with if they want to go jointly, <laughs> things like that. Interesting. So it's more like it, habits? Habits is a big part yeah, okay. of our research. Yeah. You mean like why I go, I'm going to the movies and who I'm going with? Um, or comes, how many times I go to the movies and who I'm going with? The, the latter is, is more accurate. Okay. Uh, we don't think a lot about the causalities, but we do huh. are interested in, in, in getting the outcomes right. Interesting. So, yeah. yeah. So where, where do you get your data for this? There are tons of data uh, out there. Um, there are some um, national level data that is being uh, collected every few years. Uh-huh. A famous one is National Household Travel Survey. They, they okay. reach out to a lot of people in the, in the country yeah. and ask them a lot of questions about it, what they did in the past. Yeah. We oftentimes also conduct our own use, our own surveys. Okay. We pair that with other data. Yeah. yeah. So how long term of a project is this? Is that something you do like in six months, right? Um, no, it's, it's uh, beyond that. So for data collection, mm-hmm. um, after you collect the data, everything, cleaning the data by itself can take six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, you also need another six months for, for analyzing or, or even beyond that. Yeah. And how reliable, because it's all surveys, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How reliable do you have to, I mean, is that a thing where people just lie on a survey or if somebody asks them, they say the opposite just to mess with you? Like, is that a, is that a thing you guys think about? It is a big thing in, in, in our literature. We have uh, uh, different ways to, to, to A, measure how much Okay. People are, are honest in their, in their responses and mm-hmm. how much they paid attention to, to, to our survey. That's because that's, that's another reason that uh, data could okay. be yeah. wrong. But at the end of the day, we have a saying, all predictions are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Some are useful. Some so are useful. True. I like that. Yeah. I love that. So is your background, like, are you, uh, did you go to school for civil engineering? Or yes. S- okay. Yeah. And are you, you got your master's as well? Uh, that's what you're working on. Uh, I got my master's in um, transformation engineering as well, which is oh, part okay. of civil engineering, mm-hmm. but it's um, in Sharif University. Okay. Yeah. 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 So what, yeah, like, what does the deliverable look like? Or when do you plan to have this study complete? Oh, it's it's, it's just an, an ongoing effort. Okay. So we, uh, for example, one study that we did was for city of Chicago. Huh. Um, back in the day, they were piloting the, the how successful the e-scooters, the shared e-scooters could oh, yeah. be. So we, we, we reach out to um, all of those who've used um, e-scooters huh. even once. And uh, we asked them questions and the outcome, the output that we got from that was people like this mode in general in Chicago at mm-hmm. least. And there are some benefits to it. Some are, are combining this with transit, which is a very good thing to have mm-hmm. um, in terms of sustainability and mm-hmm. things like that. Yeah, yeah. So was that a study that you were just decided to do on your own, or does somebody go to you and say, "Hey, what would really be beneficial is tell me if this program was successful in Chicago," and then you guys go and do it? Is that how it works? Um, works both ways. Okay. Um, sometimes the sponsor reaches out, reach out to, to, to the, to the uh, research team. Sometimes it's just out of their own interest. When I joined U of A, I also joined as an assistant director to the Center for Applied Transformation Sciences. Okay. Huh. Um, CATS for short. And at CATS, we are doing a ton of different types of research. 
and oftentimes it's it's the sponsor who reached out to to, to cats uh-huh. with specific research questions. Okay. Um, but yeah, at the end of the day, we are uh, research nerds. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. they do things for free. Yeah. One of uh, one of my coworkers, Drew. Uh, we rode down here together, and he was telling me about his like his thesis or something. He's for vehicle communication. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. so interesting. Connected yeah. vehicles, yeah. Yeah, like, wait, wait, it's so like the vehicles are talking to each other, like they currently are right now, or they no. can. In the in the near near future, they will be. Yeah, and what's the benefit of that? Well, just like 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 if this car is driving erratically or something like that, it would. Well, a warning would come up or something in your car. Ah, or if there's something okay. down the road, you know, it would come up and you hazard ahead or something like that. Or if, like, you're in an accident sure. a mile up the road, it can notify everyone around you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And that's just, like, one small component of it he was talking about. Right. I mean, there's, think about that. There's also um, efficiency components to it. Sure. So when vehicles can uh, interact with, you, with each other, uh-huh. they can maintain much smaller gaps safely. Yeah. So oh. before uh, breaking, the, before the, the the front vehicle breaks, it can inform the the rear vehicle that I'm yeah. gonna break. Yeah, be ready. Yeah. So is that the thing that will make traffic jams? That is that what they say is if if everyone was let the computer drive, there would be like half the amount of tra- traffic sure. because yeah. a lot of it is just. I stop because you stop, and then we all stop That's for no reason. Yeah, yeah, and uh-huh. instead, you know, if it yeah. gets this this congested, then you know the robot takes over, and you all just move through, yep. and then get on the yeah. other side, kind of thing. Well, yeah, I mean that's just like one step closer to being all self driving cars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. It, it, they yeah. said if if everyone if every car was self driving, there yeah. would not be traffic jams. Yeah, I, um, that's a hard statement to make. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> So tell me, tell to, me why. I mean, what 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 would prevent that? Uh, um, when it comes to people's behavior, we are very complex um, creatures. So when we learn, um, so we call it uh, induced demand. When we learn that the quality of service of any service has improved, have has been improved now, uh-huh. we tend to use that service more. Ah, okay. So and this can cancel out. The, yeah. Yeah. So it's like there's a psychological component to yeah. your studies as well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, cool. So did you come here just to do to work on this study? No. So, so I'm, I'm, a, I'm a new faculty at the University of okay. Arizona. Okay. So we do a lot of things um, in cats. I'm just gotcha. happy to be part of it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. That's exciting. Yeah, it really is. So what's what's your end goal? Like, do you want to be a, like a full blown professor of some sort, uh, or what? What do you? Definitely. Yeah. Um, contributing to people's lives is also a big thing for me. Yeah. Just to uh, help uh, bring up the next generation of researchers. Mm-hmm. So, what that. is a? Do you have an example of the? What we, or what's the most interesting? Or what's one of the the behavior tidbit that most people wouldn't wouldn't know? And, uh, and as far as transportation, which maybe one you found? The the the, the induced demand that I just mentioned. It's, mm. it's a big thing. And oftentimes it's 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 being ignored, even within our our, our, our own um, like research field transportation. Uh-huh. Yeah, it is a and uh, just the role of the habits, because that's also kind of a habitual behavior. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when we get into the habit of doing something, we we don't we we, we get less rational. <laughs> so, 
we just keep doing whatever that we've been doing right to some extent yeah. that um, makes a lot of sense huh? yeah. so when we get there we get less sensitive to like uh, different po uh, policies and yeah. things yeah. like that so. yeah. yeah we just need to figure out how to turn texting off anytime the car's moving Oh, that would be awesome. When that, I mean, it's I mean, like a I, simple I, thing. Why I can't we really do that. I, I don't do it, but it's still, yeah. like, it's still there. Right. Like, I, I, somehow I want to, you know, because now it's a behavior thing. And yeah. my wife is a, is a good example. It, as soon as the car stops, she immediately looks at her phone. Yeah. Like, every time, without yeah. clockwork. Sure. Every, I mean, Isn't and, that that, amazing? And, I, and I can't. She'll never break it from that. Like mm -hmm. it's just it's it's, just, it's yeah. a reflex. Yeah, but not while she's driving though. Not she's she, good about she, that. Not while she's driving, but yeah. then stoplight, stop sign. It's like, like I need that shot any, of anything. Adrenaline. Yeah, yeah. It's like the like she hasn't seen it for yeah. more than X time, and uh -huh. it just works up to where she has to. Right. Yeah. She Crazy. says she's checking the time, but I'm like, the uh, clock is right there. Like yeah, she's not yeah. checking the, the time. old checking the time excuse. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Anything else, Ali? You want to get out there? Yeah. What are you excited? Really about? interesting conversation. I appreciate this. Thank you very much. Very really uh, interesting for me. Also, very uh, exciting um, conference. Good conference. Yeah. Time, oh yeah, the first yeah. time here. Uh -huh. Oh sure. Yeah. Have you been to any of the uh, the talks or any of the, the the classes that they've had so far? So we had a uh, presentation this morning on on cats. Oh, okay. The type of research that we do in cool. cats, um, various types. Um, but apart from that, I've, I've been just doing um, networking. Yep. Yeah. Perfect. Nice. Great for that. Yeah. And podcast, of course. Of course. Yes. yes. <laughs> well, Ali, thank you so much. That was yes. great. Thanks for thank stopping by. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Great to meet you. Okay. Uh, we've got Ryan and Kendall with yeah. us. Yeah. Excited. In the, uh, in the hot seats. This is going to be a great conversation. I'm going to let them do just some brief introductions. Just give us your name, who sure. you're with, kind of what you do. Kendall, why don't you go first? Yeah, awesome. So my name is Kendall, and I'm with Burgess & Naipaul. We are a full-service civil engineering firm headquartered out of Columbus, Ohio, but we have 26 offices in 12 oh, states. Wow, so, okay. How, how many employees? Um, we're a little bit over 500 okay. Okay. Yeah. at the moment, but yeah. at Burgess & Naipaul, I am a marketing coordinator, so I get to interact with a lot of our technical staff. Nice. So I've got the numbers. I knew yeah, okay. offices. Yeah, 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 I yeah. got them. So. Yeah, uh, and I'm guessing Arizona is one of those states? You are correct. Yes. Okay. We have offices in Phoenix and Flagstaff. All right. Yep. And uh, Ryan, how about you? Yeah, so I'm Ryan Cercello. I'm our director of utility and civil infrastructure, so I primarily deal with uh, water, wastewater, pipeline conveyance work, but okay. then also dabble in municipal transportation, and that's kind of where I started my career, so I know a lot of the folks here at the uh, Rosen Treats Conference. So. Okay. So, like, what are, here in Arizona, let's talk about that office. I mean, yeah. are you guys, do you guys, like, specialize in something? I know that works, you know, in kind of your size company. Sure. sure. Yeah, so here in Arizona, kind of our two um, really stalwarts are uh, transportation and then water, wastewater okay. design. Yeah, so we've yeah. We opened our office here in Tempe in 1984 um, and have oh, been wow. kind of been doing those mm -hmm. two disciplines out here ever since and also have a very strong uh, bridge inspection component to the work we do here for, okay. for ADOT across the yeah. state. Do you guys use uh, drones for that, for inspection? We do, yeah. We, okay. have a, we have a full drone program and a drone fleet um, of, now that's a number I don't know. I think we're up to like thir 13 or 14 different drones of okay. different sizes and capabilities. And yeah, mm -hmm. but yeah, they're, they're always uh, trying them out and trying new things. Gotcha. How about company-wide? Is there something you guys are known for? I would say Bridge. I mean, we've been around since 1912. Mm. 
oh, wow. Columbus, Ohio, like I said, is our headquarters. But we don't quote me on all this, but something with bridge inspection and the rope used to do it or the technique. Oh. Um, I, I don't know if we originated it, but it goes, it dates back pretty far to Bridges and Eiffel. So um, <laughs> we started with bridge, we started with water, and then it kind of grew from there to full service architecture, environmental services. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Wow. Well, I mean, there's such huge concern about our infrastructure. Sure. Right. Um, talk about that a little bit. I mean, what, like, what do you know about that? Yeah. Well, I mean, just obviously there's, we have an aging problem. All of our infrastructure is aging and nothing's getting younger. And so, right. um, you know, there's, there's a big component of what we do of asset management and, oh, yeah. you know, asset yeah. assessment. Mm -hmm. And, um, we've even gotten, um, a group that's gone into kind of the statistical analysis of actually like, um, for pipe replacements, looking at projections on, on pipe break rates and, oh, yeah. and trying to predict kind of where, things are going to break um, based upon uh, the, the break history rather than just simply taking mm -hmm. the what? age of the pipe is when it needs to get replaced, you know, really yeah. looking at it from an analytical perspective sure. and um, trying to, again, kind of stretch the, the dollar more wisely and, and use it where it's most needed. Sure. And then uh, uh, you said something as far as the aging infrastructure and everyone says what if you evaluated all the bridges, yeah. Yeah, I've heard this, I guess, but evaluate all the bridges, it's like a D minus or something like that on, yeah. on the scale. Do you see that improving or is it going, is it going to two part question? Is it going to, is it continuing to decline and is the bridges built now lasting longer than the ones built 50 years ago? Uh, I mean, I think from a perspective of time is still passing. So yeah, I mean, it's always going to be, things are going to be getting older. Things are going to be, you know, exposed to the elements. So yeah, it's, it's always going to be, be an issue. I think we've seen a lot of federal funding in the last year, two yeah. years that has come in and, and certainly will um, help things in a, in a short term manner. Hopefully that can kind of become more of a continual uh, source of funding. Um, but certainly I think, yeah, I mean, just everything. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, Kendall, what do you love about the company? What makes your job easy? Because you just you, you love Burgess and Naples. So I much. do yeah. the people, absolutely the people. So I came to Burgess and Naples straight out of college. So I came green to the AEC industry with a graphic design degree. Uh -huh, so okay. I did not expect to be here. <laughs> um, but the reason I love Burgess and Naples is truly the people, the culture. I love my boss. She's an incredible mentor. The people I get to work with, the technical staff. And I've always been a lifelong learner too. So having a design background, but working in engineering, I learn something new every single day. Yeah. So I could walk the street and not think about the pipes under my feet, but now I know how vital they are to the community <laughs> right. because we help design mm -hmm. those. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's the curse of being a civil engineer is you can't <laughs> stop looking at the curb and, sure. <laughs> and the catch basin. And sure. all the, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. So is your, is your company growing? Is your, are you constantly expanding? Are you guys kind of in that mode? Yeah. De definitely in a growth mode. Yeah. Definitely, definitely hiring, and, and um, you know we've we've opened several new offices recently. Are expanding more in the Northwest, in um, Portland, and yep. Idaho area. Um, Still try to be pretty strategic with our growth, though, making sure mm -hmm. if there ever ever is a merger or acquisition, they fit culturally with what we're mm -hmm. cultivating at BNN. But sure. yeah. And Absolutely, we're, and we're definitely you know we're still privately owned, um, you know employee owned. So it's mm -hmm. it's engineers 
own and operate yep. um, everything we do, and, and that's really at, at the core of mm. how we want to grow and, and mm-hmm. you know, the, the service we want to continue to provide our right. clients. Yeah, know. and what other services do you guys provide besides transportation and water resources? So, like, um, you say full service. Do you do surveying yeah. in some offices yeah, and, we, and things we do, like that? We do have surveying. We have uh, structural. We okay. have... Um, we have some electrical engineering. We do some MEP services in Virginia. Um, we do land development in Texas. Um, architecture more out of the Cincinnati, Ohio office up north. Um, but yeah, I would say environmental, architecture, land development, transportation, utility infrastructure. Right. Got, it. Yeah. got it. You've done this before. I, listen, I got I got these. I have to know these. So. Yeah. Got it down. Uh, what else? What are you excited about? This is my first Roads and Streets conference. What do you so think so far? I love it. I obviously like to talk. I'm a people person being in marketing. So um, yeah. it's just nice to be face-to-face with people. You know, we went through 2020 and 2021 and didn't have these conferences. So I think people realized how beneficial face-to-face networking actually Absolutely. is. Um, so it's nice to just get out and meet new people. Yeah. Yeah. Totally agree. How about you, Ryan? Yeah. Uh, Honestly, I'm really just excited about technology, and I think technology is, we're definitely a, a forward-looking firm as far as technology, and um, I think there's a lot of advantages we're going to see in our industry moving forward in the next you know, mm-hmm. five and ten years between AI. I was just going to say, what about AI, right? Yeah, so we, we actually do um, kind of have a full AI group and have developed our own in-house. Um, it's called PipeAid. And so it actually analyzes the CCTV video footage of like uh, sewer lines, okay. which normally a you know human being has to sit there and watch hours and hours and hours to code all the defects. Yeah. Um, and so we've actually trained a an AI platform to to watch it and do all that coding. So, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, that is this awesome. is the most boring. I've seen the I have, I have people that do this too, and it's yeah. the most boring movie you've ever seen. <laughs> Well, like, nothing happens. Well, Watching those just, tapes? It just goes. Yeah. Yes. It's just a whole yes. Well, that. until you see some of the things that end up in the sewer. And then eventually and then you'll like, find oh, something cool. And, yeah, you know, cool. and yeah. yeah. And cool is like, how did that get there? Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 But it's, you know, and it's, you know, just one of those great things where I think really we, we approach AI from a perspective of it's, it's a tool to supplement us. It's mm-hmm. not a tool to replace us, yep. you know, and so we're now as engineers able to kind of focus on how do we use that data now better rather than yep. spending hours generating sure. that data. So. Yep. That's All right. Cool. Well, appreciate you guys stopping by and chatting with us. Yeah, good, to, good to know you and Burgess Nipel a little better. Absolutely. Thank you for yeah. having yeah. us. Enjoy the rest of the conference. Sure. You yep. too. Yep. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you.